This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. This is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spiritualist Podcast on the Be Here Now Network. And my guest today is Taya Skye, who is a metaphysical guide and healing facilitator who offers retreats and workshops internationally. Her work focuses on helping us integrate our humanity and our divinity, as well as honor our unique callings. Skye lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. For more information, visit Taya Skye. Sky.com, T-E-H-Y-A-S-K-Y.com, and that link will be uh, available as well in the description. So, Sky, thank you very much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I wish I realized that you uh, were in the San Francisco area sooner, because I was just there last month, and it would have been so great to meet you. We could have done this in person, actually. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> apologies. Next time I'm Next there. Time. Next yeah, time exactly. I'm there. So I want to start out by talking a little bit about younger Sky, what what your life was like a bit growing up, what led you to the quote unquote spiritual path, um, and then eventually from there, what led you to the line of work you do today? Mm. Yeah, so I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional household. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of challenges there. And my mother was amazing, and there was a lot of beauty there also, but there was there was a lot a lot of challenging energy and um, some abuse, psychological and, and emotional. Mm. And I was still even with the challenges. I always felt very connected to spirit and really connected to my inner truth and the clarity that I had throughout. So. I would go through these really challenging situations with my family, but somehow I could see like what's happening doesn't need to be happening, shouldn't need to be happening. Keep your clear perspective, hold on to what you know, and trust yourself. And this this channel to the, the clarity that I was experiencing at this young age really served to hold me throughout my life. And so the progression was that, yeah, I had this really challenging childhood. And um, and even though I did my best to support myself, 
as I got into my mid-20s and while I was working in the music industry in Los Angeles, I had thought I was fine, right? I thought like, no, I've been aware of the challenges and I've dealt with it and I'm good. Like it hasn't affected me at all. And then as I was in my, when I was in my mid-20s and um, a bit deeper into my job in the music industry, I started to see these patterns playing out that were so obvious. I mean, I could trace it back to my childhood so easily. Mm. And it was really painful to see how, how limiting these patterns were on the potential of my life from both the perspective of how I thought I needed to become something and be someone that was socially acceptable with my job that was really good and um, what I was accomplishing Mm. to the way I had begun to essentially sabotage my relationships with men. And basically I just, I cracked. There was one particular experience with a man I was dating and it just didn't go the way I wanted it to go again. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, I was just so fed up in my in my work situation that I just totally cracked. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, of course, because through this breakdown and this meltdown, I made this huge transition in my life to following this, what I call like the wild call of, of my being. Yeah. And it didn't make any sense. And everyone around me thought, what are you doing? You're, you're letting go of like really important things in your life with your job. You're crazy to just pack up and go to the jungle in Costa Rica. Like, what is that? <laughs> you know? But this is where eventually I started to resolve these challenges from my childhood and, and discover this really like re-unearth this essence inside that began to take me deeper on that path of eventually writing and, and supporting other people too. Hmm. Yeah. I like that you, you share about the um, kind of the fall, so to speak, you know, that, that point where, you know, in my own case, that was what really cracked me open was that having the experience in my case with drugs and alcohol, it was hitting that rock bottom, which was not, you know, the only one I hit. There was a number of them and each one got worse. But with each one, I found that the heart armor, was continuing to you know peel back and and piece by piece it was being removed and so I know that you speak more about that in your book which I should mention a ceremony called life which just came out in July 1st a wonderful book Um, but that you know I find that people like you and I in the line of work we do have such a wonderful opportunity to connect with people in that raw and vulnerable space because that is such a ripe place that is such a wonderful place for catalysts, you know, to become a catalyst for growth and significant and honest change. I mean, like you said, leaving a job in the music industry in L.A., that's that's a bold move right there. You know, that that's and I respect that very much. So transitioning from there, from that to where you are now, did you know at that point, I want to write a book? That's what I want to do. Or how did how did that happen? Mm. I always wrote since I was little, yeah. but I didn't want to. It was like my dirty secret. <laughs> <laughs> I would write poetry. I would go through these like huge emotional situations and have a huge catharsis. But that catharsis would only 
make its turn if I let it happen through poetry. Mm. And I would go into my room as a young, a, a young girl, 11, 12, 13, and I would write some like very often very dark, very intense poem. But after the skies had opened, the clouds had passed, and I was, I was home again within myself mm. and had learned so much really. And so part of me always, I always knew that I, I needed to write because it was something that I, I literally couldn't suppress. Um, but when I left the music industry, my intention was not to write. I hadn't been writing other than these emotional poems when I had to. It was just, it was just to get back in touch with that truth within myself and, and discover who I was if I wasn't who I thought I was. Yeah. Yeah. And so the more I went on that journey, the more I just eventually found myself back at home base of, okay, now open the computer and start writing mm -hmm. and write for longer this time. Let's go with the book. It's beautiful. It's funny you say that because I have people to this day still ask me like, how the hell did you write a couple of books? Like, how do you have these books out? I don't know. Like, I will tell them it's not something similar to you. I did not set out initially with the intention, at least with the first book. Of writing a book it was something similar to you I, I had a passion for more journaling than writing um, and a lot of it was very dark just like you it was it was kind of my connection um, and then after coming out of a the last rehab I went through I decided to share a bit of that you know some online websites just with the intention that maybe some other people will read this and find some of their own hope in whatever it is they're going through and one thing led to another and then you know a book deal comes out of it but that was never the intention you know so it's very uh interesting how life plays out um but but i should mention your new book is published by the publisher that did my last book a wonderful wonderful group of people sounds true um and i know you've expressed as i have uh, just what an honor it is you know to work with them because they've been doing wonderful work for many many years uh they were one of the first they weren't even publishing books actually when i was first uh introduced them they were still just audio programs this is going back i don't know 12 13 years ago now um but uh, what was your experience like writing your first book and working with them and uh and how was that for you oh my god it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> writing the book you know it it's so interesting because on one hand, it was really challenging, mm. and on the other hand, I had nothing to do with it, and it was totally seamless. Mm. Like, I, I made the commitment, right, to show up every day, no matter how I was feeling, and pound on the, those keys until, until the sun set, basically, mm. until I felt like either something had come or the sun set. <laughs> <laughs> and what I found was I had to face myself. I was in the laptop screen. I just saw myself. I saw my resistance. I saw, you know, my beliefs coming up about how difficult it was and how long the road could be. All of these trips, essentially, this yeah. space between me and just my expression. But even still at the same time, after I just sat there long enough, eventually the words were coming and they were coming on their own. And what I found really is that the book basically wrote itself and and it came through in like six weeks or something, which wow. which for me, especially when I felt so challenged during a lot of it, 
it felt like, wow, how did that happen? And just, you know, it just really happened on its own. And then working with Sounds True and wow, I mean, just what a beautiful reflection from life, really. Like yeah. just to write it and just to fully surrender and to just trust, okay, I've I've allowed the book to come through. I'm showing up for, you know, whatever the paradigm is in the publishing industry. I will go through whatever jump through whatever hoops I have to to help bring this to the world because it, it, I've just felt in service to it, really. Right, sure. And then for Sounds True to come along and be interested. I mean, when I first heard that Sounds True was interested, I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> How and what? And someone's going to figure out here that, you know, that this just can't be right, you know? Yeah, yeah. But... But of course, you know, it, it, it was just a really beautiful reflection and just feeling so grateful to, li- to life to just just be as beautiful as it is. That things can happen so sweetly and also so simply. Yeah. Just let ourselves be ourselves, really, and, and trust that it will work out. Yes, that's a big one, the trust. And be willing to show up for whatever yep. work have to do it like this beautiful combination of both like i'm open to the magic and i will go step by step through whatever i have to if that's the way that this is meant to come together mm. glad you say that i often talk about showing up too you got to show up you got to do it it's not going to do itself you know no matter what it is there there have been times where i've had a talk or an event and um, last year as a matter of fact i was going through a very very difficult time which is actually the premise of my next book and I, I was just so broken down and, and heartbroken and um, I had a, several talks lined up through this and everyone I had to force myself to go to, but I showed up, you know, and, and I'm so glad that I did. At the time, they were probably some of the most <laughs> disheveled talks I gave, but they were raw and they were vulnerable and I felt a real connection with people on a heart level, you know, and in a very intimate way. But that only happened because I showed up. You know, so in all areas of life, from writing, talking for your family, your friends, you know, whatever it is, we just do our best each day to show up and be there. So thank you for uh, mentioning that. Mm. And I want to dive into the book. Um, So much to talk to you about it. One thing that I actually found a lot of similar parallels. We write about a lot of similar things and, uh, and that's why I liked your book so much. But <laughs> <laughs> that said, one of the things you you write, and uh, and this is something that really resonated with me, it's a common thing that I come across. I do a lot of speaking with the younger generation of quote-unquote truth seekers or not even truth seekers. I might speak at a college where the majority of the people really have no interest in spirituality. They, act, if anything, have a very skeptical or cynical attitude towards it. And I'm not opposed to that. I actually think that's a healthy way to approach anything in life. Have a bit of skepticism. Don't just blindly accept anything. But sometimes it's kind of a little over the edge and it's an unhealthy level of cynicism. So anyways, in your book, though, you talk about younger people and potentially looking for a different or something different spiritually. You know, can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Are they looking for something different spiritually? Hmm. Hmm. You know, it's so interesting because I find that when we look at the younger generations, 
in a way we can sort of see the trend of where things are going or really just what consciousness you could say is ready for. Sure. So I don't really know that it's what the younger generation is is after or if it's more just what we're all a bit more ready for. Hmm. And what I see that as is a more integrated and embodied spirituality. Hmm. And to me what that means is rather than our spirituality only being explored in yoga classes or rituals or ceremonies or church or whatever we engage in, right? Bringing it into, discovering it in every moment of life. So especially the ones that we overlook so easily like drinking our morning coffee or our tea or making our breakfast or taking a shower or driving, you know, these basic things. And of course, also extending from the mundane into the challenging. So also the experiences that feel harsh or like there's nothing in it for us, or here I am again, up against that same old pain and that old pattern. I'm just doomed. Yeah. And what I, what I find is that when we integrate our humanity, which is those also those mundane moments and that vulnerability of these challenging moments, when we integrate that humanity with our divinity, with our spirituality, there's this beautiful wholeness mm-hmm. that just can embrace us through life and keep showing us the meaning again and again, and also just the simplicity of being present and feeling and being human, which is a far out and amazing experience. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and I love that you say that. I noticed Jeff Book had written, or Jeff Book, Jeff Brown had written a nice uh, blurb for your book as well. He's a mutual friend of ours. And he has mm-hmm. one of one of my favorite quotes, and uh, I'll probably botch it, but it is something to the effect yes. of, while it is true that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, we are also human beings having a human experience. And so often we tend to want to push that aside uh, when we're on the spiritual path and not feel our humanity because people get this mistaken idea, some people, not everyone, but that you you start meditating, start practicing yoga, working with mantra, whatever it is you're called to, and it's just going to be bliss and rainbows and unicorns. And absolutely, those experiences happen, of course, but they are not a constant. You know, they, they come stay a little while, and then they go. Just like the heavy times in life, the pain, the sadness, the hurt, they come, they stay a little while, and they go. And that's what I love. When I was reading that in your book, that that, that was another one of the parallels that we both write about. My second book, Everything Mind, that Sounds True, published, I named it Everything Mind because of that. Everything is part of the spiritual path. Yes, yoga and meditation is, of course, but so is getting on our skateboard, you know, and riding or going to a rock concert or whatever the case may be. It doesn't just stop when you get up off your Zafu or you leave the studio, you know, from your yoga class. So uh, it was so nice to hear someone else saying that and writing it as you did. So thank you for addressing that. You're so welcome. And then, of course, the the phone rings in like perfect. And that's part of it, too. Here we are. It's all... (laughs) Exactly. It is what it is in the moment. How could it be any otherwise? You know, it just, it is what it is. Yes. Uh, I might keep ringing for a moment, so 
So Thank you, everyone, for bearing with yeah, it. And so it but, rings. <laughs> yeah, and so it rings, and so yes. it rains, and and so yeah, everything just happens the way it's going to happen. Yeah. And also, I just would like to add to what you were just saying. Yeah. That exactly these moments of um, beauty and profundity that we often associate with spirituality, they don't qualify our state of grace. Mm. Yeah. That grace is there throughout it all. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. How again? How could it be otherwise? We we have the tendency to, of course, get lost in our stories that we create. That's what's been conditioned in us since child, or since what two or three, when we start to be cognizant of these things. And so, most of us, you know, we get lost in thought, lost in the stories that we're attaching to everything. But underlying all of it, in every moment, is the grace every moment it is never not there so it's a really important point you brought up mm-hmm. and that phone ringing reminded me one of the earliest things i learned when stepping onto the path i was reading a lot of eckhart tolle and i think it was in the power of now and he talks about like a car alarm going off or a dog barking and how that can be a wonderful reminder just to come back you know whereas normally for people it's a nuisance and it's like ah, oh, stop that and that is one thing that has stayed with me for ever since, you know, over, well over 10 years now. Anytime I catch something going off that tends to annoy me a bit, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Thank you, car alarm. Thank you, dog barking. And not in a, a you know, a, a patronizing cliche way, but a very real like, thank you. I honor the fact that you are here right now because you just reminded me that I'm lost in thought or that I'm not here in this moment or that, you know, I, I want things to be other than they are when what's the point in that they are what they are. Here we are. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. I don't remember that bit from the book and I, that book was huge for me. And Maybe it was in one of the talks. I mean, I went through this phase where it was just like everything I can get my hands on because the power of now was like the book for me that set me on the path. And he had so many audio programs as well. So maybe it wasn't even in the book, but it was some, you know, I know he was the one who said it that much. I do know. So grateful to him for that. But speaking of Eckhart and all of these different books, um, this is kind of a cliche question, but really one that I think um, is suitable for the conversation because there are so many books out period. So many self-help books, so many, you know, just, just books, mind, body, spirit books, the marketplace could be considered saturated. That's nothing new. There are just tons of books out there. For someone who's interested in you, your work, and your book, what does a ceremony called Life offer that people might not find in a lot of the other books out there today? Hmm. Hmm. What does a ceremony called Life offer that's yeah. different? You know, well, I could take it back to really what my intention was when I wrote it, which was to offer a really grounded spirituality, a really grounded explanation that would hopefully help people realize how all of life is the spiritual practice. Mm. And in the book, we really go through why we don't already honor all of life as a spiritual practice. Mm. That way we can move through it and into the opening that's on the other side of actually walking each day with the honor that that it deserves and that it's to, to be able to uncover the gifts that 
different moments have for us when we look at it with that honor, with that grace, like you just explained with the car alarm going off. That's a good enough answer for me to pick up. I mean, I really did enjoy it. So I hope uh, if you're checking this out that you do take a look at the book. It's really a a refreshing read for our times. Um, So we talked about Eckhart Tolle, but I'm curious who some of your influences are um, and why. And and not just spiritually, like who who and what influences you, what inspires you? Since I was really young, it's been nature. Nature mm-hmm. was my first teacher, my greatest teacher. I mean, just to go out and be alone in nature. So many metaphors, so many teacher teachings are unfolding there. It's yeah. it's so incredible. There's no shortage ever. So nature is the biggest for me. Also poetry, um, especially when I was younger and beginning to explore the depths of my own emotion and my own soul, really. Mm. Poetry was an amazing vehicle for taking me deeper into myself. Mm. And also it was before I was more overtly spiritual, you can say, or however. Sure, yeah. So poetry was, you know, something that... I was receptive to and was very strong for me. So poetry and um, Osho. Osho mm. has been just massive for me. <laughs> <laughs> Osho. I laugh. I don't mean to interrupt you. I laugh because the first video that I was ever introduced, what introduced me to Osho was this fuck video on YouTube. <laughs> um, and, and anyone... I, I recommend checking that out. Just type in Osho and fuck. And I know, wow, the F word, <laughs> spiritual. No, it is one of the funniest videos. And what a great introduction for me to him. You know, his work has been also very influential to me. The book he did on the Heart Sutra and, I mean, just so many other works. But um, that was a great video. So anyways, carry on. I just, it's so funny. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a great introduction to Osho. It is, sure. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also Eckhart Tolle. I mean, when I read the new, Earth, when I read new earth, yeah, oh yeah, that was right at that breakdown that I spoke about in the beginning, I opened new earth and I opened an OSHA book and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so Eckhart Tolle has been a, a very big teacher for me. Um, and what else? Music has mm-hmm. really been big. And then I always, I need to always say also chocolate and tea because somehow <laughs> these are like, they're such big gifts in my life. I'm, I'm often eating chocolate, drinking tea. I have a, I have a pot of tea in my hand right now. <laughs> and while it's maybe not a more obvious um, teaching, there's a gift there. Of so, course. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about music for a second because um, I am a big music fan i write quite a bit about the music um in my books and in the podcast who who are you listening to these days let's dive right into it these days yeah or you know or who are some of your all-time favorites or both okay yeah radiohead is one of my all-time favorites it's just they're always taking me back you know deep into that core of feeling inside of myself yeah Radiohead is just, oh my God. Thank you, Radiohead. Thank you. <laughs> also, um, lately I just started getting into Kate Bush. Ah. Like, a little late, I think, in the game to be well, getting into I know the name, but I, I'm not f- I'm familiar with their music, so 
there's some that are later than you. So <laughs> check her out. Yes, I will. There's, I think her maybe her most recent or one of her most recent albums is called Ariel. And it's just it's an odyssey. It's incredible. I love music that can really just take you deep into yourself and that it's just such an intimate experience with. Mm. Um, and Kate, Kate Bush's recent album has been that for me. That's cool. And I really, I listen to a lot of just, you know, soft um, mantra music and karaoke. He's a Brazilian musician. He's He's been huge for me also, just mm. so much heart medicine really in his songs and um yeah well i'd like to share a radiohead story with you if i might oh please it's not a direct uh personal radiohead story as in i met them that would have been awesome but (laughs) when you said it it just brought up this memory and i don't think i've ever talked about this on the podcast i don't think i've written about it either so i'm gonna share a funny little radiohead story with you it was right after kid a had come out and it was Christmas. I was living in Connecticut at the time. And there was this um, big Christmas light drive through thing that was going on um, in a park near where I lived. And they'd been advertising it. It was right around the millennium. I remember that because like the big thing was like there's this cool millennium tunnel at the end. And that was their big like sales pitch was you've got to drive through the millennium tunnel. So. As I mentioned earlier, you know, I I used to do drugs and alcohol and and all that. And I'm not anti to this day. If you can do them safely, Godspeed. I I can't. I don't. But I used to gladly do them. So anyways, we wanted to drive through this um, light show. And and of course, if we're going to, me and my friends were way into drugs. So we had to drop a bunch of acid. And um, so I was in a car with my then girlfriend and my best friend. He's sitting in the back seat. She was not. Let me disclaim. She was not on acid. She was sober. And then a bunch of my friends were in a vehicle behind us and their driver was sober. All the rest of us were just out of our minds on acid. We go through first and they're behind us. And so you're supposed to turn your radio station to this Christmas music, but we were too cool for that. Kid A had just come out, like I said. And that was like, we're like, Kid A, it's got to be Kid A, you know. And So we're driving through and, and it was pretty cool and chill. And we get to the Millennium Tunnel. And it was so lame. It was just like these these little arches of pulsating lights. And even out of our minds on acid, we were just like, really? Because they were selling it like it was the second coming. But so, but here's where the story gets interesting. We drive through the Millennium Tunnel. And, and I see out at the end of the road, there's like a bunch of police cars with their lights on. And I'm like, ooh. We come to find out they were just there for security. But after I noticed that, then a bright light shines in on our car. And I'm like, what is this? It was a news. The local news was there. And my my then girlfriend rolls down her window because a woman with a microphone comes up to the car. And she's she's and so she motions rolled down the window. And, and and so she rolls down the window. And she's like, and so what did you guys or we're here live, blah, blah, blah. What did you think of this millennium tunnel? Puts the microphone in the car. And my gut reaction is to slam down on her leg and make her drive off on live TV. Oh, my God. The car behind us, which is my friends, they get stuck. So we take off. We go by the police and and then we drive up and we, we stop up the road. They're on live television. And the woman's like, you're not going to be too cool for this interview like that uh, other car, are you? And my friend driving's like, no, no, what's going on? And she asks, like, <laughs> what did you guys think? And my friend in the back, my friend Daryl, 
all he could do is just scream out millennium (laughs) and the woman had had enough and she said all right back to you in the studio the funny thing is we get back to the apartment and this is back when people still had answering machines on their landlines and well maybe some people still do i don't know but (laughs) we had a message from a friend who's like what the fuck are you guys doing we just saw you on live tv like kid a so there's your Radiohead story. That's amazing. Let's go back to your book. <laughs> anyways. You got more? And that was so good. Yeah, no, good times, good times. But anyways, yeah. Um, no, that uh, that actually was fun. And and it, I should show it because, you know, there are times I can look back like that's one of them. I, I have to learn to be able to laugh, you know, when I can laugh about my past behaviors. And that's one of the times I can laugh at. There are plenty I can't, but that is certainly one. And um so I do have some fond memories from those those days. And now you know my Radiohead Millennium Tunnel story. Mm. Lucky you. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what else about the book? Uh, I appreciate how you mentioned the book. Oh, actually, we already covered this, how it, it has nothing to do with the activity. So we can we can skip that one. But another topic that you write about, which, again, another parallel I felt uh, echoes to some of the, the work that I do, um, is vulnerability Mm. and how accepting our vulnerability is very important so i wanted to explore that further with you so from your perspective why is this vulnerability and being in touch with that so important yeah i'd like to look at it from two angles or or talk about it from two angles from one just a really straightforward obvious angle is that our vulnerability that's our humanity yes yeah we cannot separate ourselves from it and when we do we're really putting ourselves through some extra challenging situations because that that's who we are and we can pretend that we're not and we can deny it and we see many people attempt to do so often and and even many of us have our own experiences trying to suppress our vulnerability but it is there it is who we are. It is something that we all have in common. And it is really our greatest gift, mm. one of our greatest gifts. So from that simple perspective of our vulnerability is a huge part of our humanity, we can see the importance of acknowledging it, accepting it, and working with it. Because without it, we're rejecting our human experience, really. Right, yeah which is where so much pain and suffering comes from and fragmentation as well. Yes. Yeah. And then from another perspective or another angle, really, it's only when we go, this is what I I've discovered is that it's only when we go through the vulnerability that we're able to move through something in completion and in totality Mm -hmm. and come out the other side. And through that movement, through the vulnerability, we are often coming to the meaning on the other side that's waiting there for us. Mm. When we try to be circuitous or go around our vulnerability or avoid it, we're not arriving at the lessons, the teachings, and the gifts in the same way and, and really often not at all. Yeah. So by accepting and going through our vulnerability, we're able to move into and move into our own wisdom and our own divine guidance that's within us and really grow and mature as human beings. Mm. That's been a big one in my life. 
you know, something that's very important that I found, uh, again, going back to the addiction recovery thing, it is those places that kept me going back and relapsing for so many years of my life. You know, I would get clean, I would end up in a jail cell or an emergency room or a detox, whatever the case may be. Then I would go back to treatment and then get back on track and start, you know, back on the path of sobriety. But every time guaranteed, whether it was a year later, 15, 16 months, whatever the case may be, I would always end up going back to drugs and alcohol. And it took me a long time. Sometimes I can be a slow learner. And this is certainly one of those cases. But it was like you said, there, there was this, these raw places, these vulnerable places that I wasn't willing to go through and, and come to completion and see what was on the other side of them. And I know that even though that I've done years of work and things are much different and better today than they were, I know there are still more of them in there, you know, and as they come up when they're ready to present themselves, now I'm in a place where I'm ready to look at them compassionately and gently, you know, and, and walk through them. And, and like I said, gentle, be gentle with myself as I'm doing it, because it's a very, can be a very difficult thing. You know, it's not, it's not as easy as really just saying, you just walk through it, you know, you do it. No, it's hard. You know, it's painful. It's tough. It's, but it's worth it. You know, it's so worth it. It is so worth it. Yeah. It is so worth it. I mean, going back to what I shared about um, that breakdown that I went through. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was in it. I really went deep, deep into that pain that I was feeling and this sense of disappointment and dissatisfaction. I went so deep into it that only because I went that deep and allowed myself to feel that broken mm. and that even hopeless. There were so many yeah. challenging things that I felt. Only because I went there was that opening was it possible for that opening to happen? Yeah. And again and again throughout life, right? Because we are forever vulnerable beings as yes. humans. And so we're always learning and discovering new places within ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. One, one note I would like to make on that, because it's something that um, I, I just, for any, anyone listening, one recommended recommendation I would make if you are getting to a place where you're willing to or walking through those, that vulnerability and I don't know if this was a case for you or not, so I don't want to speak on your behalf. But in my own case, I would recommend if and when you do go through these these things in your life, whatever way you do, that you do them with the support of other people. Do not do it alone. You know, whether it's a sangha or a satsang or it is a recovery program, people there, it, whatever the case may be, whoever you feel comfortable with, a therapist, whatever, and I speak from experience because early on I was trying to do it alone. I, I'm, I'm an introvert. And so I, and that was another part of the reason I would relapse so much was I would, I would reach out for help and get some, but then I would always kind of go back to not reaching out and I'd be living by myself in apartments and go to work and come home and just be alone. But it is so important. I have found to find that support, whatever it is, the people that can help help you stand up when you can't sometimes on your own. Have you found that in your own case to, to be beneficial? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't have done it alone. Yeah. And thank you so much for bringing it up because mm. it's so important. Yeah. 
Yes, I, I've had help. I ask for help whenever I need it, whenever I feel I need it. Mm. And still, I'm, I'm, I do sessions with you know the woman that I, I love to go to for challenging things yeah. when I need that extra help. There's, we all have gifts to give each other, and we don't need to go through it alone. We don't need to do it alone. And even though we do have the capacity within ourselves to heal anything and everything, right. That doesn't mean that we need to all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's so important. Thank you so much for bringing it up. Yeah. No. Thank you. I just I, it, it clicked. It's like yeah, I gotta gotta say that because I have written it as well, and uh, it's just so important. Like, awesome. If you're feeling brave and up to it, go for it. That's great. Like, do it. Yeah. It. You're not gonna heal or work through anything until you you work through it till you walk through it like you said but mm-hmm. don't do it alone so yeah I'm, I'm glad we did cover that very very important stuff um let's talk about some misunderstandings in spirituality this is something you wrote about that i liked and you talk about one of them of the many that are out there you write that uh one of the misunderstandings is that we should get rid of our egos and have a silent mind and that, to me, one thing I find with people when I'm working with them is they have all of these expectations, you know, when they step onto the path. And that's one of the biggest things that keep them caught is they have these visions of what it's supposed to be like, look like, smell like, taste like. And since it's not fitting their expectations, they're not seeing the experience as it's directly happening in the moment, which is right there. It is what it is. It's what they're looking for. So let's talk about some of these misperceptions, whether whatever you want you'd like to talk about whether it is the ego and the silent mind or whatever else you'd care to discuss. Yeah. I wonder if a lot of it can be summarized actually as the trip of the idealized self. Mm. Right. Cause we have this or we can and others we see again and again, this trip of I am whatever, you, whatever it is, spiritual enough, enlightened enough, awakened enough. I can let myself be, once dot 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 yes. right once dot 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 and it's often that dot 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 we often see as my mind is silent i don't have an ego anymore and it, it's it's just nothing short of a trip mm-hmm. i mean sure perhaps there are some people whose fate and dharma and experience it is to live on a high mountain in tibet and really have no interaction with their egoic tendencies, you know, and that's beautiful and that's fine. But that's not the general experience of most, most of us. And that doesn't make us more or less awakened than one or the other or anything less than we ever will be. You know, our mind is a total gift and we don't want it to be totally silent. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you know. And the same with the ego. The ego, it, it's, it has so much to do with our relationships. You know, this, this belief that we should get rid of the ego, when we're focusing on that, again, we're rejecting ourselves. We're rejecting our vulnerability. Mm. And as we just drop into a more, this is what I find with, with myself, as we drop into a more just wholesome place of accepting the different parts and aspects and influences, then we're able to work with them in a way that supports us. Mm. And to me, that's what it's all about. Right. 
So the mind, of course, if we're not aware of how it functions and if we're not aware of the influence it can have over us, then we can perhaps start living our life in a way that we don't really mean to. But when we're just simply aware that it runs and what it does sometimes, then we can just walk through life more as that spiritual practice and in this meditative way mm. to not get carried away by it. Yeah. And so anyway, that that's what I think it's about. It's just that balance between um, accepting our vulnerability and all the parts that make us this beautiful human that we are versus this trip about the idealized self and what it will look like to be more spiritual. I really like that. Yeah. When we're rejecting these parts of ourselves that we think should not be there to fit this mold, it's just such a sense of separation and not enough. And, and it keeps us locked, you know, in this, in the mind and the seeking and that, that I, I need, you know, I need to read just one more book or hear one more quote or go to one more retreat, just something, something, something. And as we said earlier about grace, it's all right here, right now. You know, we're keeping ourselves locked up here in the mind, seeking, seeking, seeking. And some people, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but wear the the title of spiritual seeker almost as a badge of honor or accomplishment. And there's nothing wrong with being a seeker. That's fine. But how about being a spiritual finder? How about finding? Right. It's just... These considerations, right? Yeah. That's another one that we talk about in the book, mm. is moving from truth seeker to channel. And again, not in a way of disparaging the journey of the truth seeker, which right. has so much honor and is so yes. so important. But just considering, okay, well, what if this energy of seeking is just, what if I just move away from this energy of seeking? What if I just drop into the simplicity of being, the simplicity of receiving, of just seeing what's in front of me now. Just little considerations that can support us, maybe. Yes. <laughs> and there it is again. What's right in front of me right now? Like, drop the mind. Just what's there right now? Or not even drop the mind. If the mind's going, let the mind go. But it's okay. It's the mind. It is what it is. You know, you don't have to force it out, push it out. It's rejecting the present moment for what it is and that as far as my experience is what keeps us stuck from having that direct experience that we're seeking after the experience of literally here and now and in that experience of here and now that's all there is is here and now that's it anyways mm. something else you talk about as well speaking of obstacles um is you talk about working through the obstacles that keep us feeling separate Mm -hmm. And that was a big one for me was, and I write about this in Everything Mind, was the feeling of isolation, of separation, of loneliness, of just all the separation. So in your experience, how do we stop feeling so separate? And what also causes this feeling of separation to begin with? Mm, that's such a big one. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um Wow. Well, you know, what I what I write about in the book and what I what I see as a very big source of separation within us, if not the source of separation within us is our rejection of ourselves. And it can come from one way or the other, meaning it can come from rejecting our divinity, which 
we feel so much separation. In fact, that's where a lot of us come from. That's where, meaning that's where we begin in our spiritual journey is we've rejected our divinity so much that we can't do anything anymore but surrender to God. Mm-hmm. Or we can reject ourselves from the spiritual side of rejecting our humanity. I shouldn't be feeling anger. I'm just going to own my way out of this. Mm-hmm. And so from either place, there's, there's a lot of separation. And the funny thing is that whichever spot we're on, whether we're rejecting our humanity or we're rejecting our spirituality, it's always just a rejection of divinity and God because both are, both are divine and both are that godliness. Mm-hmm. So this is where, this is what I've discovered as being a huge source of separation. Otherwise, what are we separate from? If it's not ourselves, if it's not God, then what else is there to be separate from? Right. And that includes the whole. Right. And so in working through it, you know, it's that's such a big thing to really to really talk about, I feel, which is why in the book I do my best to go through it from some of the more common misunderstandings that I've experienced and that I've seen in just out there in the world, like the rejection of ourselves because of the ego or the mind or believing we need to be perfect or being so hard on ourselves when we make mistakes, yeah, or the challenges that we go through in relationships, all these triggers and issues that essentially make us, like, cause us to fragment a little bit. We're not actually fragmenting, but we reject, and so for that, there's a fragmentation, yeah? Mm -hmm. It's a really big conversation, and I'm trying to do my best to just, like, Distill. Yes. No. And I think you're doing a lovely job. I know it's a big question, but you're doing a great job of distilling. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that in in the question of how how do we drop into the wholeness that we are, mm. the integration that we are, and anchor that presence in our bodies, how I. I find it to be as simple and perhaps as challenging often as just me- meditating through through it all. And that, now hold on because now that now I'm starting to go say something that could be very easily misinterpreted. Sure. So just to backtrack for a moment is to be is to have a practice of meditation. So for me that's been probably the most helpful part of my journey and my practice is having a practice of meditation each day or most days because then we're really being able to, we're not able to, but we're supporting ourselves and dropping into that inner stillness yeah. where that wholeness can be sensed and where we can also feel perhaps safe enough to work with these moments of life and know that we're always safe inside of ourselves and in our connection Oh, it's really a big one. No, I think I think that's a I mean, we could spend a whole show pretty much on that question but, alone. Yeah. Um, but it, I love the way that you do break it down in the book. And that's why I felt it was important to at least ju- dive in a little bit in this conversation. I think, again, you did a lovely job of for the time allotted to us distilling it. So thank you for for playing with me on that one. Let's go to maybe. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple more questions. We have about five, ten minutes left. So 
This is one I haven't asked anyone in a long time and very simple one, but I know a lot of the uh, audience tends to be people that are newer to the quote unquote spiritual path. And I remember myself stepping onto the path and feeling very overwhelmed. You know, there are so many different teachings, a lot of them completely conflicting, um, so many different, you know, whether it's Buddhism or Vedanta or mystic Christianity or general spirituality, meditate this way, put your hands that way. You know, there's just so much. So that said, for someone who is newer to the path, what's one piece of advice you would offer them? Meditate. (laughs) Meditate. Meditate. And it doesn't need to be a straight, obvious form of meditation, like sitting down, whatever your meditation is, to explore and discover what that is. For some people, their meditation is happening in their yoga practice. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's happening in ecstatic dance, yeah. hiking, whatever your meditation is to explore yourself and life, to discover it, and then to honor yourself by giving it to yourself, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. And I appreciate the fact that, again, you said hiking. It can happen on the cushion. It can happen in the yoga studio. I've had some of my most beautiful meditations while riding a skateboard. You know, if you're there washing your hands and you're aware of the sensation of the water hitting your hands, that's meditation. You know, so it we don't have to compartmentalize it. It, it can literally be anytime, anywhere. I, I have found that, yes, having a dedicated practice to help anchor that is beneficial. But really, you can do it anytime, anywhere. So that's a yeah. great answer. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Well, the last thing I did want to ask you is, what do you hope that readers are going to take away from your book? What would you like for them to take away from it? Mm. You know, I guess it depends when I'm asked the question. Mm. And when you ask me right now, what comes to me is a sense of calmness, mm. a sense of calmness for for life and for the different happenings and moments and challenges and the whole spectrum of moments that we experience. Just a sense of calmness and and almost like just an, an elevated sense of trust of, yeah, I there's something there and, and I'm more ready and, and willing to to explore it and to work with it. <laughs> it's quite a portrait to paint for <laughs> For, for the readers, but hey, why not? That's your honest Holding answer. A cup of tea, yes, yes. <laughs> wearing a red tunic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a real pleasure having this conversation. Was there anything? Let me ask you actually, because we do have two minutes. Was there anything that I didn't ask that you would like to leave readers with? I know we mentioned your website, so it's ta- just let me verify that tayasky dot com. T e h y a s k y Com. But was there anything that we didn't cover that you would like to leave uh, the audience with? Or do you feel good about the conversation? I feel great about the conversation. And, <laughs> and. <laughs> and there is something okay. I would like to add. And, um, you know, it's inspired by the question that you asked about separation and how we can move through it. Also, yeah. our wholeness. And I just want to say and remind all of us that it's whatever we need, we're going to get, we don't need Mm. to go 
hunting or searching within ourselves or, you know, get involved in any sort of contrived process almost like just to be here just to be present each day we're going to see the reflection that we need to see mm-hmm. and life is going to shine back to us in our face whether we want to see it or not yeah, good or bad i was <laughs> going to say right <laughs> whether it's how amazingly beautiful and powerful you are or you know whatever else is is asking to be tended to mm-hmm. so it's it's really it's really gentle and it's really here and it's really now and that we can all just take a deep breath and not that we can all just take a deep breath. (laughs) Mm. I think that's a beautiful way to end the conversation. Thank you so much. The book again is called the ceremony called life. When your morning coffee is as sacred as holy water. (laughs) I think we've covered why that is in this conversation yet. There is still so much more to explore in the book. So I highly recommend it. It will be linked in the description to our conversation. So please click on that and check it out again. What a real honor and pleasure to to share this time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.